Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Live Week 9. I'm your host Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Appreciate everybody joining us today. I will admit off the top, I'm a little bit under the weather, not sick, but little worn down here, which let's face it, that can happen sometimes at this point in the year. You know, I'm just not getting enough sleep and stuff. So bear with me today. We've got a lot to cover here. I want to get through it all. Got to start with the big news for sure. It's Odell Beckham getting released by the Browns. And we all know the story now was excused from practice this week after everything that happened around the trade deadline with his dad, you know, putting out the video on social media, all this stuff. We don't need to rehash it. We talked about it on Wednesday's episode of the podcast. What we need to talk about is fantasy wise, what this means for him. And like I said, we talked about it quite a bit on Wednesday show. If you didn't listen to that one, we had Tara Victoria on, we went over it. She was a great guest. And we talked about how you should approach him. What I think is that he's a hold right now. I'm not trying to go out and trade for him. Uh, I'm not dropping him like the Browns did. That's for sure. But he's had a bad year. He's really had a, a fairly bad stretch during his whole time in Cleveland from what we've seen. He's just not, it's a different offense. He's not getting peppered with targets the way he was in New York. And some people want to blame Baker Mayfield. There seemed to be some chemistry issues there for sure. But what we're looking at now is moving forward, what this means for OBJ. And we really don't know at this point, because we're going to have to see where he gets claimed, what team he ends up on. That could have a, a big difference in his outlook the rest of the season here. So if we see him end up in the right offense, maybe the value rises. Personally, I kind of think we've seen the best of OBJ already with the injuries that he's dealt with and stuff and turned 29 this week. So looking at him at this point, I don't think he's ever going to be that, you know, top two or top three receiver again, but maybe he could end up on a team where you get a little more excited about his potential. So right now we're staying in the holding pattern. Don't go out and trade for him. Don't drop him. Let's just see what happens here over the next 24 hours or so, what team he ends up on. And then we'll go from there. And I know that might be a boring answer, but you should know me by now. I'm not here to give you silly, unfounded hot takes. That's not what this is about. We are trying to be accurate. We are trying to make smart decisions for our fantasy teams. And I think right now, holding on OBJ is probably the best thing. And then maybe his next landing spot will get me more excited. But right now, I'm not overly excited about him. I'll tell you what, though. I was kind of excited about that Thursday night game. And that's the next thing that we should talk about. We'll just hit on it quick. It turned out to be a pretty wild game. And I was not excited going in. Jets, Colts. Kind of an ugly Thursday nighter compared to some of the ones that we've had recently. But the Colts come out, absolutely control the game, kind of dominate from start to finish in that one. Jonathan Taylor, 200 yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns. He might do it again next week, too. They're going up against the Jags. What a beautiful schedule, right? Jets this week, Jags next week. So definitely we're looking at Taylor as you know a top five running back the rest of the way, maybe a top three running back the rest of the way with all the injuries that have happened to that position. So really loving things for him right now. And really, all the Colts delivered in this one. You look at Naheem Hines, over 100 yards from scrimmage and a score. Michael Pittman, keeping up his breakout season with a great game, 64 yards and a touchdown. Carson Wentz, looking good, 272 yards and three touchdowns. Even a deeper play like Zach Pascal, who I will admit I had to play in one league, that 14-team, 34-man roster league that I'm in, had some bye week issues, had to go with Zach Pascal, four for 58. I will take that all day, nine or 10 fantasy points. I think he got me in that one. So really, you could do no wrong on the Colts side. You look at the Jets, and thanks to being in comeback mode all game, I know it didn't go as planned. Everybody who was waiting to see if Mike White could get it done again. White gets hurt. He leaves the game early. You end up with Josh Johnson in there. 
And people, you recognize the name Josh Johnson because he's one of those guys, those like veteran backups, those journeymen that kind of bounces from team to team. Feels like he's been on about half the teams in the NFL at this point. Just a guy that he'll give you one two week stint when he got an injury, and then teams will let him go and he'll end up somewhere else. But anyway, he comes in, has a great game 317 yards, three touchdowns, had 18 rushing yards. He did throw a pick there, but kept the offense moving. Michael Carter and Ty Johnson, the backs. They did all right in this one. Carter had decent yardage. Johnson found the end zone, but it wasn't the the checkdown fest that we were expecting, right? Mike White, what we saw from him last week, we thought those running backs were going to put up maybe big stats through the air this week, and that really didn't happen, but at least they paid off for you in some way. Jamison Crowder, because it wasn't that checkdown fest, he didn't have that big of a game either. The real star was Elijah Moore, and you never would have predicted that because you go into this game with Mike White, in there and you lose Mike White. Now you end up on your third quarterback and still Elijah Moore produces. And he was a guy that we were very excited about before the season, uh, a guy that is a, an excellent prospect. I think he's got a great future, but not somebody that was really showing well so far this year. He had a couple flashes, but not a guy. He was kind of buried on the depth chart a little bit. So to come out 84 yards, two touchdowns in this game, that's great to see, but we're going to have to see what happens here because from what we're told, Mike White should be ready for next week. We're also told that Zach Wilson could return to practice next week. And then what's going to happen with Corey Davis at receiver? If Corey Davis is back in there. That'll probably bump more down the depth chart a little bit. So he might see, he might not see as many opportunities in this one, but uh, yeah, it was still a, a pretty good outing for the jets next week. They got to go up against my bills. So bills, you know, allowing the fewest passing yards in the league this year, not really a great sign for that pass offense, but uh, nice to see the jets at least, you know, put up a fight there and put up some nice stats. And anytime you get a big high scoring Thursday nighter, that's always great to see. What we don't like to see is all these injuries, this massive list of injured players, but we got to figure out how to approach them in week nine here. So if you're not watching or listening to the show live, we're recording at 1 p.m. Eastern on Friday. More news could come out as the day goes along here, but uh, we'll give you what we have right now. Kyler Murray dealing with that ankle injury that he suffered back on Thursday in week eight. So he's had a lot of time to heal up here, but has not returned to practice yet. And that might be okay. Cliff Kingsbury's kind of suggested that even if he doesn't practice, that Murray will probably be a game time decision. And at this point in his career, he's not a, a rookie anymore. He's a guy that could go with no practice, still playing the game. So we're holding out some hope. We're crossing our fingers, hoping that Murray's still going to be out there, but there is some genuine concern for his availability this week, despite the optimism from Kingsbury there. Um, looking at his receiving core, we could have some issues here too, because we're expecting them to be without AJ green. Who's on the COVID list, maybe without Deandre Hopkins as well. Cause if you remember, he aggravated that hamstring injury that he was dealing with. He entered week eight with it left pretty early, tried to come back that whole ordeal, but now he's had a bunch of time and he still hasn't returned to practice. And normally Hopkins is a guy that we talk about as somebody who he always ends up playing the game. Even if he misses practice, he still gets out there. This week, I think it could be a little different here. I think it could be a different story. And based on the tone from Cliff Kingsbury, kind of made it seem like there was a shot here for Hopkins to actually miss this game. And we're going at it from that standpoint because he always ends up playing. But this time, I'm not so sure about that. I would kind of look at him as maybe doubtful. So it could be a big boost for Christian Kirk with those two receivers out. Could be a really big boost for Rondell Moore as well. Even Zach Ertz at tight end. But that's only if Murray plays. If Murray doesn't play, if they have to go with Colt McCoy under center, all those guys just become risky flex options this week.
Another team here with a bunch of injuries that we got to talk about the Cowboys. So it starts off positive because Dak Prescott practicing in full. He's good to go this week. Great news. CD Lamb, we're not so sure about. We got some kind of reassuring things from Mike McCarthy today. But what happened was he practiced on Wednesday, he hurt his ankle, and then he didn't practice on Thursday. Now, McCarthy's saying that he'll be back out there on Friday. It's more of a walkthrough, I believe, Friday and Saturday. So he'll be back out there. They expect right now, pretty optimistic that he's going to play this week. Michael Gallup also, according to McCarthy, looks good. So you think he'll be activated off IR. He could play. So finally, we might see Lamb, Gallup, Cooper. We might see that trio back together and, and out there and healthy. It's been a, a while since we've seen the three of those guys on the field. If anybody misses, you probably know what to do. Cedric Wilson, he's the fourth receiver there. Had a pretty nice game last week when Cooper Rush was in there. Caught a long pass there. So uh, he would be the guy to pivot to. And I know that Denver's pretty good at defending tight ends. It's actually one of the things that they do well. But... You know, you look at them this week, you look at Dalton Schultz and with those receivers a little banged up coming into this one, I still like Dalton Schultz this week. He had a down game without Dak Prescott, Prescott back, Schultz is back up into the top 10. Uh, for the Dolphins, so Tua Tagovailoa, Devontae Parker. So Tua's got a rib issue. He also has a finger issue. The rib issue he's had for a while here. The finger is a new one. It's on his throwing hand. He's a left-handed quarterback. Got to remember that. So slightly worrisome here. Brian Flores, saying that he's optimistic and, you know, you hate to just rely on the coach's optimism because they tend to always be optimistic with this stuff. But he did say that he thinks that Tua is going to be able to play this week. He was a little more realistic about Parker. He said that Parker is a little more doubtful that he had a setback with the hamstring, the shoulder, all that stuff that he's dealing with came back last week. Just awful. Came back last week, had a good game and now looks like he's going to be out again. So kind of a, a brutal season for him so far. And, Waddle gets a bump there. Gasecki, Mike Gasecki at tight end really gets the biggest bump. We talked about this a million times that Gasecki puts up his biggest days when one or two of those receivers are out. And right now with Wolf Fuller sidelined and now Parker likely out in this one, Gasecki moves right back up as a top five tight end this week. And then if you're in really deep formats, Matt Collins is the one that's kind of stepped up a couple times with Parker out this week. I keep looking over because we keep getting these updates from the score app here going on with all these players all these injuries this week got to stay on top of all that stuff all right moving forward here Matthew Stafford Robert Woods so both these guys missed practice Wednesday and Thursday uh Sean McVay came out and said that he thinks they're both going to play so he hasn't really expressed any concern there uh, Stafford dealing with a back issue a Woods dealing with the, a foot injury it's kind of a, a new one there but right now I'm going to trust McVay I think they're both going to play. We'll see if they can get out there on Friday and practice. Great matchup against the Titans in that one. A Christian McCaffrey. So he's back at practice. There's a chance that he could get cleared to play this week, but I think they're going to be a little smarter about this. I think last time they rushed him back too quick and he wasn't ready and they had that setback. I think this time they're going to be smart. They're going to give him a week to ramp things back up. I'm still looking at week 10 as the time when he's actually going to come back. Maybe we'll get the update soon here on him, but I figure we're going to get one more Chuba Hubbard start and it's going against the, the Panthers and not a great matchup with the Patriots, especially since Sam Darnold right now, it's looking like Sam Darnold is going to be out. He had the concussion last week. Doesn't seem like he's going to be able to get cleared for this one. So PJ Walker against that Bill Belichick defense, not really sure about that Panthers offense in this one. Don't like Hubbard really that much is more than like a low end volume dependent kind of RB two might end up seeing more Amir Abdullah, more passing game work from him. 
And then even a guy like DJ Moore, who's the one that we've been able to trust in that offense, even if he doesn't find the end zone, puts up pretty good yardage most weeks. I got him way down in the wide receiver two range. Normally he's more of a, a wide receiver one fantasy wise. Every week we have to like just take a segment of the show and we just have to talk about all the Giants injuries because it's been several weeks now where they have like four or five guys out. So uh, Saquon Barkley didn't end up having COVID despite the scare midweek, but wasn't back at practice today. He's not going to play in this one. So Devonta Booker will get another start there. And that one we kind of knew. I had some people asking me about it, but Joe Judge kind of said when the, the COVID stuff was happening that missing practice for Barkley this week, and the injury on top of it, it was going to be really hard for him to play. So we're not going to see him. Week 10 seems more likely. I'd say the same for Kenny Galladay, who's been practicing, but he might need a, a week of reconditioning here before we see him get back out there. He's kind of a, a slow healer. Is that fair to say? I don't know if that's a rude thing to say, but Galladay tends to miss more time than you would expect. Um, Sterling Shepard, he's got a quad injury. Looks like he's going to be out for a little while. Kadarius Tony is expected to go. So that's good news. He has that gash on his thumb from last week. Um, don't think that's going to keep him out though, despite some limited practices. So he should be out there and might even be the, the number one receiver in that offense this week. So get him in your lineup, uh, James Robinson. So he hurt his heel last week. Hasn't practiced, didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It was more of a walkthrough, but we did get his injury designation, which Urban Meyer said he's going to be listed as questionable. And it's going to come down to just pain tolerance. So that's unfortunately not going to give us too much to go on here. We're going to have to wait until those Saturday night, Sunday morning updates from Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. And hopefully those guys will, will give us some inkling of who's going to play and who won't play in that game. If Robinson's out, Carlos Hyde would be the one to start. And I mentioned him, I actually wrote him up in the waiver wire column this week, just in case Robinson wouldn't be able to get back. He was called day to day at that point, but we weren't really sure. So keep your expectations in check if it is Hyde, even if it is Robinson, because they're going up against the Bills defense and Bills defense is pretty strong, as we know. So Hyde would just be a volume dependent RB3 play fantasy wise in that one if he got the start. 49ers. So Elijah Mitchell held out with a rib injury on Wednesday, uh, comes back. He was wearing the non-contact jersey on Thursday. I haven't gotten an update yet on Friday to see where he's at. But earlier in the week, Kyle Shanahan kind of suggested that he was optimistic and all these coaches seem optimistic this week, but they kind of seemed to suggest that Mitchell was going to be out there. They were just going to kind of monitor him throughout the week and bring him along slowly. So I'm not too concerned there. If he can't go, there's a chance that Jeff Wilson could be activated. He's back at practice. You know him. He's been on the pup list. There's a chance he could play. And that's really just based on the fact, yes, he's back at practice, but also general manager, John Lynch came out and said that he's looked pretty good and that they're going to monitor him. And they'll see if he can go this week. So it's at least a possibility that he could be out there. If everyone's healthy, I still expect Mitchell to lead the way. And I think Wilson takes on that complimentary back role. If Mitchell's out, then yeah, it's a good shot that Wilson would be the lead back. But I don't think they would bring him back to a massive workload. I think it would be more of a, a committee with Michael Hasty, maybe even a little Kyle Juszczyk mixed in there. We could stick with the 49ers here. Debo Samuel. So DNP on Wednesday with that calf issue. Back to a limited session on Thursday. Shanahan made it sound like they're just managing him and it's kind of the same thing they did last week with him and he was able to play through it. So expecting him to be active could maybe lead to a little more for Brandon. Ayuk. we've seen him come on in the last few weeks, not to where we expected him to be, but at least putting up some usable stats and then George Kittle probably going to be activated off IR. So that's great to see nice little boost for the 49ers offense and Kittle right back up there in the top, you know, five top six or so 
in the first week back, depending what goes on with Debo in that one. Latavius Murray, we thought after the bye, suffered that ankle injury, missed the game, gets a bye week. You figure he's going to come back and play this week. That's not the case. Hasn't practiced all week. He got ruled out, which means we're back to Devonta Freeman and Le'Veon Bell and Tyson Williams. And if you have to pick between one of them, Devonta Freeman is kind of the lead back there, but none of them are that exciting this week. Rashad Bateman, his teammate, also mispracticed on Friday. Um, the you know very exciting first round wide out. Um, kind of weird. We didn't expect that that would happen. He didn't have an injury designation leading into this game or anything like that. And then John Harbaugh came out after practice and said it's a, a minor physical issue and they still expect him to play. So it seems like crisis averted there. Uh, some more good news. Devontae Adams activated from the COVID-19 list. So um, we know that we expect that he was going to be back, but we also know now that Aaron Rodgers is on the COVID-19 list. So it's going to be Jordan Love starting in that game at quarterback. And, you know, we talked about the depth for the Packers, what that means for them with Rodgers out. We talked about all that on Wednesday's show. So you can go back and listen to that one. I won't spend too much time on it here. Uh, Cole Beasley. So he missed two practices with a rib injury. Was doing light drills on Thursday, though, so not entirely out both days. Probably a good sign. Seems like he's going to gonna play in this one. And McDermott said he was fairly, guess what, another coach optimistic about a player this week, an injured guy potentially being out there. But seems like a lot of this stuff is to the, the minor side, and you know these guys can get back out there. If Beasley was out, and if there was ever a game that they were going to sit him and let him heal up, this would be the game. They're going up against the Jaguars. Not that you want to you know, talk down or be overly confident against any opponent in the NFL, but Bill's one of the best teams in the league. Jags, one of the worst. If Beasley did get sat for this game, uh, Gabe Davis would see more targets. Um, you know, Manuel Sanders probably slide to the slot a little more there. Maybe we see Isaiah McKenzie work in a little bit, but fantasy wise, you just be looking at Emmanuel Sanders. Gabe Davis would be a, a really deep flex play in that one, but you're going to want to start most of your bills in that game against the Jags. Could be a little bit like that Colts game against the Jets last night where just everybody pays off. Julio Jones, I really don't know what to make of Julio at this point. Um, you look at him as a guy that's dealt with this hamstring injury for a while now. He's really been dealing on and off. He's missed some time. He's been back. He aggravates it. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. If he's out there and he's been practicing in a limited fashion this week, if they decide to put him out there, it's going to be at a high risk of re-injury. It's going to be very difficult to trust in your lineup as anything more than I think a flex play. Um, it's a matchup where I know the Rams pass defense is pretty good, but going to be a potentially high scoring game where they have to try to keep up. They would have to throw the ball quite a bit in that one. So maybe volume wise, Julio could do something, but I would be very iffy about putting him in my lineup. Cause as we've seen, he could tweak something early on and, and miss most of the game. I think it would be smart for them to let him sit out a couple weeks and actually get healthy. But a lot of teams, unfortunately don't do that. I think that's it for the big names that we want to talk about here. If there's anyone else, I always say this, but if there's anybody else you're curious about, come find me on Twitter at Justin Boone. Just ask me both of them. I'll be happy to let you know what I think, but we'll keep moving along here because I want to get to my favorite start and my favorite sit for week nine. And you can read all my start sit recommendations in start sit stash quit. That's my column goes up on Friday mornings. I covered 35 plus players in that one across all the different categories so you can take a look at that. Lots in there for you to check out. Today, I just want to talk about my favorites. For the start, there are a couple good ones. It was hard to choose here, but I really love Brandon Cooks this week. There's a couple of reasons for it. One, he's going up against the Dolphins. This is not the same Dolphins defense from last year. Dolphins defense was a tough matchup last year. They had a great secondary. This year, everybody's been able to move the ball on them. 
actually in terms of fantasy receivers are giving up the second most fantasy points to receivers this season. And then on top of that, the Texans are getting Tyrod Taylor back. And if you remember in their only full game together back in week one, they combined for five catches and 132 yards in the opener. So Tyrod being back gives a nice boost to that offense. Cooks has a couple things going right for him this week. Really like him as a low end wide receiver too. And then for the sit, I might regret this one because Khalil Herbert has had some tough matchups in the last few weeks and he's continued to produce decent yardage in most of those games, but I'm downgrading him this week. And once again, for a couple of reasons, it's not just one thing, but Monday night going up against the Steelers. Now the Steelers are getting up the six fewest fantasy points to running backs this year. They've only given up two touchdowns to running backs on the season. And that's not just rushing touchdowns. That's rushing touchdown or receiving touchdown to a running back. They have only given up two. And then on top of that, David Montgomery's back at practice this week. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get activated and that he'll play. In fact, I think it would be smarter for them to sit him out and let him get, they have a bye next week, let him get very healthy, two more weeks off, and then he comes back. But there were some reports that they think maybe they could get him out there this week, maybe not in a full workload, but in a limited workload. So if that happened, that would obviously hurt Herbert as well. So not the most trustworthy option this week, despite what he's done in recent weeks. And that's it for start sits. I just got to give you a quick taste. I want to talk about all of them. I can't. If you're curious about the others, you go check out the column. You can read it on the score right now. That is up and hopefully that'll help you set your lineups this week. All right, let's get to your questions here. Love seeing what you got for me every week. At CD Turjan, Taysom Hill, full participation. He is the starter, right? Well, that's what we we're hoping. So I know this question came through on, on Thursday night. So by now, I'm, I'm sure C.D. Turgeon knows that Trevor Simeon has been reported as the starter in this one. And matchup-wise, it's a great matchup against the Falcons. And I talked in the waiverware article about how Taysom Hill had really lit up the Falcons fantasy-wise last year. He started against them twice, had really big games, but he's coming back from this concussion. We don't really know where he's at with that. And Trevor Simeon played okay, you know, helped them last week. So maybe they're rewarding him for that, I guess. But Fantasy-wise, this is just awful news because if Taysom Hill's out there, if he's the starter, like I said, we saw what he did last year. He can put up top 10 quarterback numbers. Now you look at this, Simeon will be out there, and even in a good matchup, you're not going to trust him because Taysom Hill will be worked in. And we've seen Taysom Hill get, you know, work around the goal line. He could steal some touchdowns, all that sort of stuff. So really unfortunate to see both those guys active. Maybe it helps Alvin Kamara a little bit. Maybe there'll be some more check downs for him. And we don't have to be concerned as much about whether Taysom Hill is going to throw him the ball or not, because there were some issues with that before, but sadly Hill's not getting the nod this week and we'll see how Simeon does, but I'm not, uh, I'm not going to start either of those guys in my lineups in this one at Paul Sta, And then a bunch of numbers after it, Jarvis Landry was dropped by someone in my league. Do you think he is worth a pickup and how much fab lacking some receiver talent with Calvin Ridley out? Yeah. Whenever OBJ's missed time, Landry has just crushed it. Landry's been up in the wide receiver two range uh, with OBJ out. So now the rest of the season, you could look at him as that low end wide receiver two at worst high end wide receiver three. I would bid depending on your team and you're saying you need receivers. So I would bid 25, 30, maybe more percent of what you got left there. Um, Cause you look at it and yeah, he's a guy that now becomes that number one receiver. And, you know, even if they're not throwing that much with OBJ gone, Landry set up pretty well there. I would also look at Donovan Peoples Jones and there's a bit of a spoiler, but in the start sit stash quick column, 
Uh, he was one of the stashes this week. And it's not that he necessarily will come right out. He's questionable this week too, but rest of the season wise, you look at him and he could really step up and now become the number two in that offense. He's had some big games. So I like him moving forward as well, but definitely go out there, bid on Landry, try to get him in your lineup at OP trader at op trader. O. what is Derek Henry's trade value? Didn't see him in your chart, but I think managers would give up something for him in case he comes back for a game or two of the fantasy football playoffs, or someone might give you something just to block another manager from getting lucky. It's possible based on everything that I've heard, based on everything I've read from national reporters, from the injury analysts. I know that Rappaport said six to 10 weeks was the recovery timeline, but six to 10 weeks, you look at the six weeks, you might be thinking about a receiver, a cornerback, or, you know, a lighter guy, not a 250 pound running back. Like Henry is going to have to overcome that to get back. So really most people seem to think that it's going to be more in that eight to 10 week range. I don't think that we're going to see him in the regular season at all. So I don't think we're going to see him make a difference in fantasy the rest of the way this year. That's why I took him out of the trade value chart. I would not be trading for him. If you have an IR spot and he's already on your roster, throw him in the IR spot and then you hope. But if you need that spot and you don't have an IR slot to put him in, I would drop him for something on the waiver wire if you really need it. It's going to be hard to hold him the rest of the way just on the off chance that one, you make it to week 16 or 17 and two, that he doesn't suffer any setbacks and that the Titans continue to be competitive because if they start to lose games, they're not going to rush him back at all. So I really don't think he has much value trade-wise in redraft leagues. At B Burnsby 2, is Khalil Herbert worth a roster spot after this week? There's a B Burnsby 1? You had to go with B Burnsby 2? That's crazy. Um, yeah, so Herbert definitely still worth the roster spot. Um, he's still going to be a, a strong backup even once Montgomery comes back. And there's some people that have said he might work in a little more than you expect, even with Montgomery in there. But you look at guys like Alexander Madison, you look at guys like um, Sony Michelle, they're the elite backup running backs. They're in good offenses. We've seen them produce before when they get into that starting role. Herbert's not far behind. I know the Bears offense isn't as good as those offenses, but Herbert has shown that he's going to get volume. And that he can produce even in some bad matchups. So do not drop him whatsoever. You want to keep him on your bench after this week. At Taylor Burker Double O, who is the wide receiver one for the Chargers for the rest of the season? This isn't the answer you want to hear, but I don't think there is a set wide receiver one the rest of the way. I think it's going to go back and forth. I think what we saw early in the year from Mike Williams was probably the best that we will see from him. But what we've seen recently is the worst. He's going to be more in the middle somewhere. He had the injury that he dealt with in there. He also came back from the bye, had a really tough matchup with the Patriots. And we know Belichick likes to focus on one player. Who's your best asset. I'm going to take him away. They really seem to want to take Mike Williams out of that game. So I really wouldn't judge on that Patriots game. And then Allen, he's somebody I've tried to acquire, um, had a good game in that one came through for us. Uh, I think the rest of the season, I think he will be a solid kind of fringe wide receiver one, a high-end wide receiver two. And that's really where I have both those guys kind of right on that borderline of the top 12. And then we'll just, it'll depend on matchup. You know, what defenses are better in the slot, what defenses are better outside, all that sort of stuff week to week. So I know that sucks. You probably want a more definitive answer. If I had to pick between them, Allen's a safer bet. Williams has a higher upside. If we can see Williams get back to what he did early in the season, that is by far the highest upside of either guy. At Tiberius Gatsby, 
to Connor or not to Connor? That is the question. So <laughs> I'm assuming we're talking about James Connor here. This week, I am not Connoring. Uh, you look at the injuries on that offense. You look at him really just being a guy that needs to score touchdowns. And if Kyler Murray's banged up and not running, or if Kyler Murray's not out there, if Hopkins is out, Green's out, they're gonna, not going to have as much firepower. Connor's not going to see as many scoring opportunities. We already have an example of him going up against the 49ers earlier this season. 49ers are pretty good against running backs. We have an example of them playing against each other already. He got lucky. He fell into the end zone. That really saved his fantasy day. Didn't have much yardage in that one at all. And that tends to be the case with Connor, right? Last week was kind of the same thing. Low yardage, found the end zone a couple times. So really just a, a touchdown dependent flex play most weeks. At Matthew Menninger, best snack for watching the game on Sunday. Uh, it changes for me, really. Um, I would say if you're looking for like meal, I love pizza and wings. Absolutely. That's probably kind of a boring answer though. I was really into beef jerky recently, early in the season. I was eating a lot of beef jerky on Sundays. I love sour candy, so I will crush a bag of sour candy, no problem. And then I'll feel terrible after if I eat the whole bag, but I just have that kind of addictive personality when it comes to food sometimes with that stuff. So I love sour candy, but if you're looking for a meal, it's pizza and wings and you got to have blue cheese and it's got to be the good blue cheese, got to be the good Buffalo blue cheese. That's the best stuff that makes it. So make sure you have that at how Ming nine, seven, eight, would you rather hold on to Logan Thomas or Dawson Knox rest of season full PPR? Knox has the higher upside. He's in the better offense. Thomas, I know what he did last year, performed well, was doing okay this year, didn't have his big numbers before he got hurt. So you want to go Knox. You can always check the, the trade value charts. So every week I'll put those out. And that's basically a rest of season rankings, right? Based on where the values are, who's higher on the chart. So you can look at that, but it would be Knox for me. At Jay Lamb and a ton of numbers, is Miles Sanders worth trading for? We've seen the recent success of the Eagles run game. And they have an easy remaining schedule at Ryan underscore longbow. Miles Sanders value rest of season was dropped in my 0.5 PPR league, considering using number one waiver priority on him. So a couple questions there about Miles Sanders. I would say yes to both of them. I think Sanders is definitely an intriguing ad. I'm hoping that the Eagles realize maybe they should run the ball a little more. I know the matchup was easy against the Lions, but hopefully that at least told them that they could have some success on the ground. Maybe they get back to that with Sanders out there. And that late season schedule you talked about, starting in week 12, you got the Giants, the Jets, you have a bye. Then you have Washington, Giants, and Washington again during the fantasy playoffs. So it could be a really good stretch if they want to start using Sanders a little more. So definitely willing to take a chance on him. I might have to put a few, few trade offers out for him at this point as well. At B Superman James, Calvin Ridley is killing me. How long would you hold with no IR spot to use? And then we have another similar question at Drummond Splint. Should we drop Calvin Ridley at this point or stash in hopes of a return? I'm still stashing for a week or two here. Obviously, it depends on your situation. You know, if you're desperate, you need that roster spot. You got to make a move right now that you can try to trade him. But other than that, I'm, I'm trying to hold. I want to hold for another week or two and, and see if maybe he comes back, gets in a little better headspace, sorts things out, and then we get him back out there because he's still a very talented young player. At just the Davis, how do you approach deadline deals opportunistically? Target teams in contention? out of contention, good players on bad teams, underperforming players on good teams. Okay. So I've talked about this before. I think the best way to approach trades is you want to look at all the rosters in your league and you want to try to figure out where kind of everything meshes perfectly, who has what you need and who needs 
something that you're willing to give up. That's the best way to do it. You shouldn't look at trades and go, who can I rip off in my league? That is not the way you want to do it. You don't want to be in a league with people that are just trying to rip each other off, right? You want to try to find teams that you can help. They can help you. I'll give you an example. I'm in a dynasty league. I just made a trade. I tweeted it out yesterday. I retweeted it actually because uh, the, the fantasy ballers France put it out. Um, I traded away uh, Cam Akers and I traded away uh, DJ Shark and Curtis Samuel, my first round rookie pack uh, pick and my third round rookie pick in 2022. I gave all that up to a team where they're out of contention at this point. So they're looking to next year. They don't want to take on players that are going to potentially ruin their kind of mini tank. They're going to do the rest of the way. So they take on all those guys. And in return, I got some smaller pieces as well, but in return, I get Tyree kill. And right now I'm tied for third in that league. Going to make a, a big push here to try to win the title on year one. And now I have Tyree kill on my team to really try to put me over the top. So that kind of helps both teams, right? Like that, that's what I think you should be looking for if you can find it in your league and it's different dynasty versus redraft, obviously dynasty, you're going to have more of a discrepancy between the, the contenders and the teams that are maybe looking to tank and looking towards next year. But I think in redraft leagues, it, you know, it's kind of the same thing, just trying to find a roster where it meshes well with your roster, where you can give up something they need that you don't necessarily need at that point. Now, the other thing I will say is around this time of year, and I talked about this in the podcast a few weeks ago, one thing that you can do. And one thing that I have done is look around to those teams that are desperate, those teams that are falling out of playoff contention. They've only won a couple games. They need to win immediately. And likely those teams probably have some stars on them that aren't performing well. That's why the team's losing. They don't have as many wins. And that manager's probably looking to, to change things up. They're probably frustrated with those stars that haven't been producing. So sometimes you can make a deal like that and end up getting some players that could help you because even if they are still struggling or they're injured right now, so for example... I traded for CMC a couple weeks ago in one league. I traded for Keenan Allen a couple weeks ago before he had that better game last week. You can get those guys when they aren't doing well. And even if you have to ride it out for a couple weeks, if your team's doing good, you're okay with that. You can hold on to those guys. So like CMC, for example, and the one team I got him, I'm just looking at trying to win in the playoffs. So I want him to come back for that last month. That's all I need him for. And I'm willing to ride out the next few weeks without him here. So I would try the first thing, trying to figure out teams that, that mesh with your roster. The second thing, you can go look at some of those teams that are kind of desperate and see if they might be willing to give up one of those stars that you can hold on to. At Nico Lehman, when will Jacoby Myers score a touchdown or should I just drop him? He's taking up a bench spot. It's got to happen at some point here, right? Like, is this guy cursed? Like, what's going on? Like, it is absolutely insane that he has caught this many passes. He's seen this much volume and he just doesn't find the end zone. Like, it's got to happen here. It's so bizarre. It makes no sense. I've dropped him on my rankings because of it. Just he's not finding the end zone. So it's hard to move him up into like that top 30, even though he's the number one receiver on the team. And even though he's getting that kind of volume, but I hope that changes for him because he is a good receiver at Stouter 94. What did your career path look like uh, to get where you are today? I appreciate your work and your dedication to your craft. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, we're not going to go through it all here. The, the show's almost up. I'm, I'm not going to go through everything. If you want to listen to like a detailed version of it, I went on uh, Fantasy Pros, had a podcast called Game Changers. Dan Harris hosted it. And that was like a year ago or two years ago. And I went in detail. We spent a half hour or so and I went through kind of my whole career. I think all the way back to like when I was younger and when I first started liking football and all that stuff. I went through everything to, to where I got to, to where I am now. So that, if you really are interested in that, which I don't know why you would be, but if you're really interested, you can go check out that podcast. I'll give you the, the really quick version for me. Um, I went to university for philosophy because I love philosophy, but I didn't really have any direction at that point. I had really good grades and 
no direction of a career, what I wanted to do. Didn't want to be a lawyer, which is what a lot of people with philosophy degrees do. So I took a year off. Then I ended up going to journalism school. And from that point on, it was journalism school with a focus on sports for me. And I ended up getting a, a internship with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL, which was fantastic. I've talked about it before on the show. Um, they ended up hiring me to be the, the staff writer. So kind of like a beat writer who works for the team. And I got to see exactly how a football team works, a pro football team. It wasn't NFL, it was CFL, but still got to learn how the players approach it, the coaches, the training staff, the front office, all of that stuff that I still use today I became incredibly valuable for where my career went. So that was awesome. Um, and then I ended up from there, I ended up with TSN, which is like Canadian ESPN. And I was there for four years. And then I got hired by the score to run their NFL team. And I was the NFL supervisor for three, four, five years. And I was doing the fantasy stuff on the side, kind of in addition to my main job. And then I started having so much success with the, the fantasy stuff that they decided to make me full-time fantasy. And that's where we are now. And uh, I'm just so appreciative for it. I, I owe a lot to our director of content, Rory Bars, to our managing editor, Navaswani, for trusting me and kind of putting me in this role where they just kind of set me loose and, and let me go. And it's been so awesome to see you know, the numbers on, on my content, my written stuff, my rankings, the podcast, the numbers just going up and up and up every year. It's been fantastic. And I always try to take time to, you know, appreciate that. Cause I think that's really important in life, right? Like I think people, sometimes you get so caught up in, you know, the, the daily grind and then you get caught up in like the negativity on social media and politics and all that sort of stuff. Just take a minute, sit back, think about the good things in your life. Think about how much you appreciate them. Let that smile kind of come over your face because of it. It is so important to do. I, I'm so thankful for all the great things in my life. And I'm thankful that I'm, I'm getting to do my dream job right now. So I appreciate that. You know, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're not here for long. So you kind of, you kind of have to, to do what you can during the time you have. And uh, I'm very lucky that I'm getting to do something that, that I love doing every day. So thank you to, to everybody who helped me along the way for that. And that was a long window. I was supposed to do the quick version. That was a long winded version. But uh, speaking of not being here for long, we are not here for much longer. We got to go here, but uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, make sure you check out all my work over on the score. Download the app. It's uh, available for free out there. Um, you can come find me on Twitter at Justin Boone. Hopefully you'll join me on Sunday. We're doing the, the Twitter takeover on the score main account. It's always fun every week, 1030 AM Eastern. I'll help you with those last minute lineup decisions. But until then, uh, big thanks for all the questions. Big thanks to Marcus for producing the show. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in again. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time Leave on time with me tonight I said leave on time